Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Another world. Another time in the age of wonder. There was once a dream you could only whisper it. Anything more than a whisper, and it would vanish. A battle between good and evil. You don't know the power of the dark side. Where shall I find a new adversary so close to my own level? Try the local sewer. You know of the rebellion against the Empire? The Avengers. Earth's mightiest heroes. Peace means having a bigger stick than the other guy. One of these days, I'm gonna have a stick of my own. I'm Groot. Welcome to the Neverland Podcast. The podcast for lovers of Disney, Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars. I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. Please welcome your host, Jeremy. I thought he'd be taller. Yeah, I can find All it takes is faith. Trust. Well, if it isn't the Star Spangled Man with a plan, what is your plan today? Up to Neverland! <laughs> 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 My name's Greg Miller from Kind of Funny. I'm also a Mizzou graduate. Uh, 
direct correlation between how honest I can be and how many cameras are out there. Sure. It's a lot better when I'm sure there's not going to be any evidence of my honest yeah. answer. Yeah. Right. Why don't we take like a five second here? You want to go? Here we go. Five second pose right here, right?
she hit one with 465 wings in 20 minutes. Okay, that's a lot of wings. Two 10-minute periods, so I downed about 40 in the first 10-minute period. And then I realized I'm looking at these big screens with images of people project. There's 16,000 people at 9 o'clock in the morning in an arena in Philadelphia. And I realized I'm, I'm going to throw up. I realize 
lives. There are people out there who see me with the barbed wire back and think I copied it from Negan on Walking Dead. <laughs> Dude, where were you in 95 when I had that bad boy? I don't know if the young lady's here, but I essentially took a photo and I dispatched a total stranger with a $50 bill and said, do you see if they have one of those Wolf barbed wire baths? And so I'm using it at the table and I'm having, I'm having so much fun and I'm really enjoying it. If you go back to like 2005, there are a bunch of photos where I don't look interested in being there. And I, I, at that time, I didn't realize how lucky I was. And now I'm talking to Ray and I'm like, Ray, I can't believe people are still like, they're coming out of here. Like we used to, you know, do with un, you know, unimaginable things to ourselves, yeah. you know, to do what we can, you know, to make what we can now in just a little bit of time here posing with you guys. So thank you for all of you uh, to, who, who still take the time to uh, line up, come out, come out to the palace. Uh, it really makes life, you know, a lot easier. Like, I'm not wearing socks now. <laughs> I'm wearing a t-shirt with my own face on it. <laughs> and I'm missing four teeth. People are like, oh my gosh, can I hang out? It's like, yeah, I get to do this in public. Yeah. yeah. I appreciate it. If you walk down a normal street, people cross to get away from you. <laughs> they used to, back in the day. I don't, I don't have the eyes anymore. The eyes are kind of a giveaway, you know? Sure. That's one of the things I had going for me when I was wrestling. It's like, the one thing I looked for, when I was a fan, I would be like, okay, you go to school, I know most of that wrestling is, but that guy or that was real, you know? Yeah. And so people had their questions like, okay, I know, I know, but... I think that guy's crazy. <laughs> and I did a good job of convincing people. So you Well, know, yeah, like, your, your actions, I think, backed up any crazy yeah. looks you had. Yeah, yeah, I was pretty good at it. And then as I, saw, as I said in a special I did like three years ago for the network, people didn't see through the character. They saw past it. Yeah. And especially, you know, one of the difficulties I have when I come out on any type of elevated platform is to fight the urge, the instinct to drop an elbow off it. <laughs> uh, and I, I'll gladly lay on the floor if you want to jump. You know what I'm talking about in my Hall of Fame induction in 2013, I mentioned that my life had not been without its, you know, downside as I'd never defeated Chris Jericho. And all of a sudden Jericho rolls up on the stage. And I was like, it took me a second to think what the heck he was doing there. And then I see CM, and I did, he, he laid down there, and I just looked at him, I said, oh, I'm all out of elbows, man. Keeping <laughs> in mind that I used to do, like I said, unimaginable things in front of like 26 people in Boca, West Virginia. Now we got 18,000 in Madison Square Garden. And I look at Jericho, and I'm all out of elbows. And then once Punk came up to be the referee, like, I realized, like, you know, if I don't drop some kind of elbow here, <laughs> I'm gonna have to look myself in the mirror, you know, for the rest of my life. And so I just said, like, I said, oh, you're taking all the impact on this. <laughs> I always took great pride in taking care of my opponents, and that night I didn't take care of them. <laughs> Sorry, Chris, I dropped all my body weight on them. And yeah, it was joyous, it was really cool. You talk about, you know, doing unimaginable things to yourself. Yeah. I, yesterday I was tweeting about getting ready to interview you, having you up here doing all these different things. And somebody wrote in with a question that I thought was interesting. It was Pat. And it was asking if, knowing what he knows now, he still would have started Hell in a Cell with Top of the Cell. Oh, oh. I, I want to expand it a little bit before you answer. Of, I never thought about that question. Obviously, you're here. You're McFoley. You're a legend. You can't, you know, everybody loves you. Do you have regrets about the business and things you did? 
Regrets? I've had a few. <laughs> then again, too few to mention. I've lived. <laughs> um, you know what's funny is like they could never recapture that place and time because a, I don't. You know, I worked on the Undertaker for two weeks just to convince him to give it a try. And if, it, they, if, it, if it, Mr. McMahon, now that we've learned so much, you know, he would have said absolutely not. And then he would have never trusted me when he said, I want to make sure you've been up on top of that cell this afternoon. I assured him that I had. <laughs> I want to make sure that you feel comfortable up there. And the truth is, if I never got up there that afternoon, I never would have gone up there that night. Yeah. I, was, I was terrified. And if I could have, as soon as Undertaker's music went off, like I know human nature, like every eyeball in the place could be on him. And if I could have thought of a way to gracefully climb down that cell <laughs> without ruining my career, by God, I would have done it. But I couldn't, so I didn't. Uh, but then, no, it would never be, it would never be approved. You'd never be able to do that again. Well, that's the thing, like, like, you know, obviously having read your autobiography, right, seeing the behind the scenes, all the stuff you guys have talked about it, for some reason, the match gets scarier the more I see it. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, and it gets emotional, especially if you watch the whole thing instead of just the clips. Sure. I mean, did anyone know that it's Jim Ross's last day with WWE today after 26 years? And JR is known, you know, this, and I'm, I'm so honored to be part of we're inextricably Correctly, that you know, God is my witness, he's been broken in half. And I said, you know what, come to think of it, if Tim Ross says it, I don't think we need God as a witness, right? <laughs> I think just the authority of the best announcer of all time is enough. So he did an amazing job selling that. You know, it's funny, it's, you guys remember Jason Sensation, who was in WWE like 98. 99, he did incredible voice imitations. So he can't travel from Canada, he doesn't have a green card. But I would let him do some voice work anytime I would go up there and I would talk about how remarkable it was and how Jim JR and I were inextricably entwined. Yeah. And I said, Can you imagine if instead of JR making that call, it would have been Mr. McMahon on the microphone? <laughs> and, uh, and then Jason goes, Oh, what is this? Oh, what a maneuver! <laughs> People think I'm crazy when I talk about the element of magic in the air. You like you can't script it, you can't create it, and that's one of the big question marks. You know, jumping to the current product, the women are the main event at Mania. Yeah. Well, one of the question marks is like how much magic is going to be in that stadium if a it's snowing, right? It's snowing here this morning. And it's a nine-hour show. Yeah, it's And if there's 75,000 people, 68,000 are looking up at big TV monitors, you know? Because no one actually looks at the action in the ring. So I wouldn't want to be at the end of a nine-hour show. You know, I'd be happy to go on first, you know? I am so happy the women are doing it, and I think if the women were not, you'd have a mass exodus after the women's match was on. Sure. Because people just are not going to sit through, a, you know, something that they specifically see as the main event. And so I applaud WWE, and I hope the women tear the house down.
When you, I mean, you've made a better WrestleMania. I didn't get a smattering of applause. For that.
more relevant today than he's you know than he's ever been. Sure. And, and Steve and you know and uh, and and The Rock and Triple H and we were all really hitting our strides. So it was uh, a lot of people getting to try things and like I said, given the luxury of uh, you know of failing once in a while, which is important. It sucks The Rock's career never took off. <laughs> I don't like to talk about it. It's one of the really sad stories. <laughs> the one time he had a kid had a heck of a lot of potential. How often do you keep up with the old guys? The old guard? Uh, you know, sometimes here and there, you know, when I, it's fun that these shows, you know, yep. like people see, uh, you know, like I wrestled Ray once when he was 16 years old <laughs> in 1995. And then I look around and I, when I when I walk up to Lori Petty, and I, the first thing she does every time I see her, she punches me as hard as she can in the shoulder. Great. That's the way we greet each other. <laughs> and she greets me, and so it's like that. You have a camaraderie with people doing these cons, and then uh, you know, of course, you see people WrestleMania week, and it's like it doesn't matter if you haven't seen somebody in five or ten years, you pick up right where you left off. Do you miss it? I don't miss it because I have this, you know, it's like I told Mr. McMahon that one thing that he had to realize, you know, is that WWE is a lot like the world of, you know, Oz, right? Yeah. Like when Dorothy says, some of it was horrible, most of it was beautiful, and I don't think most people appreciate the beauty until they're gone, mm -hmm. and then they would love to go back, and I'm like, I have the freedom, like, I can just show up at any, you know, it's been said, it's like my playground, I can come back anytime I want. So it's there whenever I whenever I want it, you know. I remember my kids used to um, want to go to the shows and I would just show up. People were like, wait, what are you doing here? I was like, as long as I'm Mick Foley and my kids want to come to the shows, by God, I'm gonna take them to the show. <laughs> so it's always there for me. I don't I don't miss the in-ring stuff. Yeah. Uh, because I had plenty of that. And I'm always remind on a daily basis I'm reminded that I uh, connected with people and made a difference. So for people here who I'm sure, there's some of them who haven't kept up, right? Sure. You, you, you've come, you've left, you've done this, you come back, you go out again. What is, what is this, what are, you, what are you saying? There's some people who aren't watching the show. They're not watching Mick Foley every day, every, every moment of what he's doing. Also, yeah. what happened to your Twitter? Where did your Twitter go? Oh, I took a little break. Okay. Yeah. I went to Adam in the, in the panel the other day and it was gone. I was like, wait, what? Took a little break a Okay, that's fine, that's fine. I've been without a cell phone for 40 days now. What? How do you know where to go? I get lost a lot. <laughs> and uh, while I don't use F-bombs in real life, apparently I do use them in the interior of my car when I can't find my way around cities. Yeah, okay. And then I go back to rolling down windows and asking people. So um, I'm getting on without... How many people have flipped the F out? The window comes down and it's like, hi. Yeah, <laughs> like, <yeah>. mankind? <laughs> have a nice day. You drive away. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I like it. So what happened? Why, why, why the move? Um, I was just using it a little too often, you know? I think everything is done in, well done in moderation. And I was like on there a lot. Even if I wasn't responding stuff, I was on there. And I was like, what am I doing? You know, it's family movie night and I'm like on my phone and I just saw like a, so I uh, put the phone under my car and I ran over it five times. And then I, uh, that was 40 days ago. Mick Foley doesn't do half measures. Sure, he could have turned it off and put it in the drawer and stayed right over the I don't really have my toe in the shallow end. You know, yeah, I do dive, you know, I dive in deep. So, what are your, this isn't about the phone anymore. What are your daily
case. This like, is the only takeaway people have. <laughs> only runs over Mick Foley doesn't use a phone anymore. Gives his mind. Finds way to venues without GPS. <laughs> Late to everything. Always seen buying a road atlas. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping Rand McNally in business. But no, what do you, like for you, you know, Hall of Famer, you're out there doing your thing. What does a normal day for you look like nowadays? Is it traveling to the next con? Is that I do I do a lot of traveling. This is the most I've traveled. Um, uh, finally, it's been 18 years since I've hit diamond status, which is 125,000 miles on Delta in one year. So I've traveled more than I have any year since uh, since uh, 2001. Wow. So I'm really moving. I had the, the 20 years of L tour last year, which I really enjoyed, and um, and. Uh, has anyone, uh, who, when I have my hip replaced, right, every wrestler has a tough, macho, like, hobby, right? Sure. Hunting, fishing, or working on their penmanship after they've had hip replacements. So, <laughs> Ray Mysterio's got some really nice handwriting. I like to think that I'm up there in the top ten. Oh, wow. Because I worked on it. So, there's a lesson to be learned, you know? Like, you can get better at things if you work on them. And so, I really had this intention making my handwriting more legible. And if anyone comes to the table and wants to see a sample of my penmanship, I will provide it, okay? <laughs> this is available on charge on a glossy 8 by <laughs> Where does this desire for this stem from? Because I do remember back in the day when you were working on the first book and you wrote it all on a legal pad. Yeah, well, that was, you know, uh, with right, this is boring stuff now, right? This, this is not steadily to where my children couldn't even read my writing anymore and uh, I just wanted to rediscover the art of handwritten letters and okay. so I write letters I gotta tell you, you know I Al Snow I told Al that I have the best handwriting in the business it's when I really work on it right because I've got my writing utensils and Al never puts over Anything that's Russell speak for, you know, says anything nice, and yeah. I thought that's how oh, I got the best handwriting in the business. And yeah, right. And I showed him that. He goes, "That's not your handwriting." <laughs> and then I wrote about five words. He goes, "That's really nice handwriting." <laughs> <laughs> you proved it right then and there to him. I did, yeah. Yeah. So these are the hobbies of yeah. the hardcore. Uh, hard, when you're hardcore like me. Yeah. <laughs> so if anyone wants to like prove there, be like. I got like a hundred hours of me doing really macho stuff on videotape. Yeah. So while you're watching that, I'll be over there working on my handwriting. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> working on the Christmas room, working on your handwriting, doing all that. Yeah. So, where do you want to go from here? Like, what? I mean, I don't mean literally from here. Obviously, you want to get your bag full of your things, go to the top. But like, when you think about the rest of your life slash career, like, what's next for McFoley? Yeah, I think I'm pretty good, actually. Um, I'm, I'm really enjoying these things. Uh, allow me to make my own schedule, yeah. which is really nice. So if I want to take you know break, I just do. I'd like to do some more volunteer work. Uh, I don't do it as steadily as I used to, so I'd like to get out there on the road, try to make a you know a noticeable difference. So 
you're keeping up with current WWE product. Yes. Are you keeping up with everything else? Like, how, how much wrestling do you want to watch? I don't, I don't watch nearly as much as I used to. Primarily, you know, I, I realized when I was working for um, Total Nonstop Action, and the, uh, one move. One move. <laughs> one move. One move. Wow. Um, they try. That my children, if I did, if I, if I resisted watching WWE, that was essentially taking away five hours of family time. Sure. And so watching it, I not only appreciate the time of my family. I was like, oh man, from production, from a production standpoint, like they don't miss a trick, right? Like you really have to leave there to appreciate how well. Everything is done. Yeah. And I, well, I'm rooting on uh, all elite wrestling, and I'm happy for guys who can. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't. I, I watch just so many hundreds of hours, especially wrestling from Japan in the very early 1990s, like late 80s, early 90s. I may have watched as much wrestling as a human mind can <laughs> accept. So I, I watch a few hours a week. So then we go from here, all the way back to the beginning. Yeah. Well, the question I always thought, you know, really having. Oh, yeah, we're gonna take some questions too. In a minute. Oh yeah, sure. If you want to line up over the mic. Yeah, where's the mic? There's one on the center here. Oh, there it is. Uh, if you want to line up over here, we can get you queued up. Let's be my final question. All right. Why didn't you ever quit? We, you talk about how hard it was, right? Yeah. When you got started, when it was going. You talk about, you know, that match with the British Bulldogs when they closed on you so stiff. Yeah. Like, why did you never say, this isn't for me, I'm getting out of here? Because <sighs> it was a good move not to. This worked out for you. Yeah. You know what's true is, if I hadn't talked such a big game <laughs> before I got into it, <laughs> I would have gotten the heck out of it, you know? Yeah. Because I, first of all, I hated it. Second of all, I sucked. <laughs> I just, I was not a natural athlete. And I thought, like, <laughs> theatrics <laughs> versus athletics was like an 80-20 split. And it turns out it's not, you know? <laughs> and the, I thought my flair for the dramatic could cover my, you know, athletic weaknesses. And eventually it did. Eventually, I took Clint Eastwood's uh, proclamation of man's got to know his limitations. Yeah. I took that to heart and made a pretty good living out of it, you know, playing to my strengths, avoiding my weaknesses. There's a reason why you've never seen me drop kick. <laughs> the only time I ever drop kick is when I was WWE champion and I was facing the rocket house shows. <laughs> and I would shoot him into the ropes and go for a drop kick and he would hold the ropes. It'd be like a big cut off spot. Oh, and I was like, my whole body was like here. Like I was actually, from the moment I left my feet, I was sinking towards the ground. <laughs> and there was just some things I could not physically do, so I avoided them, and then I collected my strength. Smart. Yeah. Let's go to the audience. Who do we have up first? Introduce yourself, Ray. Right my name is Jason. Hello, Jason. No cheap pop for Kansas City. Okay, no, no, right here, right here in Kansas City.
loved your letters. It's so unusual for someone to take the time. So, uh, yeah, if you want to impress someone, handwritten letter. Okay, that's the way you go. Guys, there you go. Handwritten letter. It's, yeah, it's either really, polite. really cool or serial killer, but whatever. Question. <laughs> I've been a fan of yours since the, the tape training days. All right, and wow. All the matches you've had over the long career you've had, what is the one match you want to be known for after everything is done? After everything has been done. I mean, it doesn't matter what I want to be. You know, I am known for that cell match with The Undertaker. And uh, I used to resist it. Like, I thought my life was a never-ending airing of my version of Groundhog's Day. <laughs> where every day is like the one before and the one to follow. Where every day of like 15 years, at least one person will walk up to me as if it was the first time I'd ever been asked and say, Did it hurt? <laughs> something and you remember for one thing you should consider yourself lucky you know and that's why you see some people like people who have become known for a role on a TV show or one movie and they fight it for a while and then they come usually come to embrace it realize how fortunate they are so that's the one match I am known for and I'm absolutely fine with being known for that match okay yes sir what's your name
Travis, are you a mouse? <laughs> How did you keep wrestling after all the injuries, especially the most dramatic ones like you just were talking about? Are there any non-fans here who just are like, this is just a house of horrors here. And they grab me like, he's a one-eared man? <laughs>
power moves. Sure, come around. And so I would have loved to wrestle Ricochet. Oh.
six or seven years ago. You know? I've never been a fan of Brock. I think he takes too many liberties in the ring, and he doesn't really take care of the guy he's working with. And I don't know why. He's, he's backstage right now. I was going to say. He can play me by 130 pounds. So what? He beats me up. He doesn't win. <laughs> sure. Well, okay. it's free to put podcasts out, so go ahead and make one. <laughs> you first Brock Lesnar. Hey, Mick, I'm, uh, I'm Blair. I'm originally from Topeka, and my first experience was that match with Van Hammer. I was in fifth grade, and I just want to know, did, did it intend to go outside, or did it just kind of, did we just wrestling it? <laughs> you mean, did, did this happen to be a 400-pound cowboy with a scoop shovel waiting for us? I tried that after a lot. Did there happen to be a horse trough full of freezing water that Missy Hyatt ended up in? Yes. <laughs> no, I mean, I took that stuff. I mean, Falls County, where I wanted to make it. I mean, I remember this gave me a chance, you know, to, to do my Dusty imitation, you know. When Dusty saw me, you know, he, he saw how imaginative I was with uh, Falls County, where he's like, we're gonna make you the king of the fourth county we are match. <laughs> and then one day in Gainesville, Georgia, they had this arena, and they, on the far left side, there was like a big staircase that went down about four flights, but it was wide also. And, and I was having a match that night, and Dusty starts talking, and he goes, I remember this one time I was fighting Holly Reese, the Tampa Armory, and we went all the way to the top of that building, and I took a, I gave Harley a bump, and he went, all the way down to the bottom of the stairs. Now, I'm not saying I want you to do that. <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, I think I can do that. And sure enough, I took that bump all the way to the top of the building at the bottom. And when I was driving home, I'm hurting and I'm like, he knew I was going to say that. Subliminal messaging. Yeah. Uh, my name is Eric.
Stetson cowboy hat. He got like nine band-aids on his head, you know, button-down shirt. And this is right. So this is the, I'm gonna do a little bit of it for you. Okay. Fifty-seven seconds left. You can't record this if you want. Ready? I admit, I do not look like the athlete of the day is supposed to look. My belly is just a little big. My height is just a little big. But brother, I'm bad. And they know I'm bad. And there were two bad people in the history of this world. One of them was John Wayne, he's dead. The other one's right here, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. And what I love about that promo is knowing that if he had turned that in as a high school junior for English, as a composition, it would have come back as a C minus. <laughs> marked up like Ralphie's Red Rider essay, A Christmas Story. The teacher had said, like, Mr. Runnels, there were more than two bad people in the history of the world. And if we were to keep account of those bad people, it's highly unlikely that American actor John Wayne would be on it. But yet, even with the factual errors, dramatic imperfections and with the knowledge that my own son is on the writing team, you couldn't assemble a team of writers and put them in a room to come up with anything half as beautiful as hard times. And so I think when you take the heart and the mind and the soul of a genius like Dusty Rhodes and you have the ability to touch the life of a child who wasn't born until 10 years after that promo was delivered, you've created magic. And I think that's the one thing that's missing in the product today is that sense of magic that people like Dusty Rhodes created. Have a nice day. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. We invite you back next week for more fun and adventure. Until then, remember to keep a pixie in your pocket. It's that young at heart, positive attitude that you can share with others. And remember to visit our website at NeverlandPodcast.com. There you can find links to our news page, our shop, our contact page, where you can easily send an email to podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. You can also find our Neverlanders page, where you can find out how to become an official Lost Boy or Pixie, because girls are too clever to get lost. Become a real Neverlander! Please feel free to leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at NeverlandPCast. And like our Neverland Podcast fan page on Facebook. We also have a group on Facebook for you to join. We also appreciate your support to keep the Neverland Podcast up and running. Visit Patreon.com slash NeverlandPodcast to donate to Keeping the Pixie Dust Alive. Copyright content featured on the Neverland Podcast is copyright of their respective creators and used under fair use license. All original content is copyright of Blue Band Productions and a very special thanks to Yeehaw Bob Jackson at yeehawbob.com for our new ending music. God bless! Yeah! Hello everybody, this is Yeehaw Bob Jackson. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, it's true. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Yeah! Yay! <laughs> What's a 
what's special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.